0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Yes, 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 we have reached, finally, the 2021 Gold Cup Semi-Finals, and along with that, we'll get to the preview of the United States versus Guitar game in a little bit, but make sure you go and watch the video first. I posted it up on YouTube yesterday, so make sure you go and tune into that. Search Logan Blackman Show on YouTube, and it should pop up. And it's going to be the first video, you know, 2021 Gold Cup, United States versus Qatar. I mean, it's a pretty self-explanatory title. You're going to get what you paid for with that one. But that was the first video, really, that I think I've captured the art of making a thumbnail. I found, I did this naturally. At some point in the video, I stuck my hands on my head. Wasn't even thinking about it. Was not even, not a thought ran through my head of, hey, this could make a really good thumbnail. I was kind of stretching, kind of putting my hands on my head. And I don't know. I'm sorry. It it worked. I'll just put it like that. It worked beautifully. It looks like a stereotypical million subscriber YouTuber thumbnail. That's exactly what it looks like. And it worked beautifully. And so far, it's done very, very well. We have over 100 views, which isn't a lot in the grand scheme of YouTube, but it's good we're 11 hours in or whatever it is to the video being uploaded and we're looking good 10 likes no dislikes to this point yet but I again that can be subject to change someone might not like the video I made a whole YouTube video when I was younger with a friend about disliking videos I don't know if anybody will find it he would absolutely kill me if I named the YouTube channel right now I'm not gonna do that For his sanity, and I'm not even going to tell you who the YouTuber or person I did the YouTube video with. We made three videos. Good luck finding them. I'm sending you on a wild goose chase. Go and try and find the videos. Good luck. I wish you nothing but the best. But yeah, before we get into that, I'd like to go over my night so far. So I met up with a couple friends. One of my friends is moving to North Carolina on Friday. So we all got together, got some dinner. We went to Outback Steakhouse, a very fine establishment in the state of Iowa. If you're looking for something, I don't know how you really describe Outback Steakhouse. You can get that type of food anywhere. Other than like a bloom and Onion, you can get pretty much everything on the menu at Outback Steakhouse at Applebee's. But to, I would say, a little higher of a degree. It doesn't taste as microwaved as Applebee's is. I think everybody can agree Applebee's is a step above TV dinners expensive tv dinners but tv dinners and then you get the two for 20 thing i mean i i've had my fair share of applebee's in my time at william penn if we ever had a good lift or had a good day all together me and three of my friends would go to applebee's in pella we would take our happy asses up to pella go to applebee's get food there i don't want this to turn into a slating applebee's or slating Outback, because generally, I've had good experiences Outback. My papa really likes going Outback. He's turned this into, Logan likes to go to Outback. No, Logan goes to Outback because you request it, and now it has turned into, Logan likes Outback, which I could really give or take Outback. I love the bread, and I like bloomin' onions. Other than that, I could care less about the food. And tonight was a prime example of me not caring less about the food, because you know, you, you go to this, these types of places, Outback Steakhouse, and generally, or most of the time, you go to get a steak. I know there's different circumstances for certain people. They might like a steak a certain way, or they might only like to get a steak somewhere else. Who knows? To each his own. But I got a steak. I got a sirloin, and it was like a two-for-twenty thing, but it was a sirloin steak with some... They, they called them something weird. They're ribs, essentially, but they weren't exactly your normal ribs. They weren't riblets either, like at Applebee's. It was a happy medium between riblets, which are damn near impossible to eat, and normal ribs. So, imagine that. But with Bloomin' sauce on it, as well with the barbecue. Sauce-wise, very good. Taste-wise and texture-wise, very confusing. I've never had a rock-hard rib before that came so fast off the bone. Never had that before. I ordered steak medium. And uh, you can judge me all you want if you like your steaks a certain other way or you don't like people that order steaks medium. I don't care. I ordered it medium. I cut into it for the first time. And there was this little, like, pink thing that wasn't, like, cutting perfectly. It was like a string. No matter how I tried, it wouldn't cut. Now, the, the knives at Outback Steakhouse are not really used for cutting, even though that's what they give you to cut things. Like, the bread, you're basically just mangling the bread, mangling the bread to the point of, I don't know how to spread butter on this thing because the butter doesn't really stay on the knife. So you're basically just trying to pick it up off the table or just dunk it into the the butter bowl they have placed on the bread table or the bread little tray thing. But so I finally get this thing cut off and I looked at the steak when I first got it and it was more tan than actual brown. And for those of you who don't know, steaks should not be tan. (laughs) That's not a... An ideal color for steaks. Steaks should be brown, like dark brown, with some little char on them. That'd be the perfect steak. Now I know I'm not gonna get the perfect steak at out, Outback Steakhouse, okay? I'm not going to some fancy five-star steak thing where they sell uh, Wagyu beef. I'm not going to that place. I'm going to friggin' Outback Steakhouse because, really I don't know what I almost said because of the price. It ain't cheap. Outback Steakhouse is not cheap. I paid Friggin' in total, plus tip, $30 for this thing. And I cut into it, I eat the first piece. I'm like, okay, it was just the first piece. Maybe it's just the end of it, but the fatty end of it, maybe the rest of it will be fine. But Logan didn't remember that, hey, this is tan. <laughs> this is not normal. And I cut open another piece, or cut off another piece, and it was, like, squishy. Like, not in a good squish. It was, like, bleeding on me. Like, very red. I think they just cooked the outside of it and like, oh, yep, that's dark enough, and then served it without actually knowing how well the steak was actually cooked, because it was not <laughs> medium whatsoever. And I'm fine with my steaks being less than medium. I'm fine with that. This was just above blue steak, which is straight raw steak, okay? those you non-fancy chef people out there I learned this from I think Gordon Ramsay and if I'm saying this completely wrong I made this up myself then if I'm saying it wrong don't quote Gordon Ramsay on it because I don't know if he said the exact thing but blue steak is like raw steak they're just serving you the slab of meat essentially it's like one side cooked for five seconds flip the other side five seconds serve I don't know exactly how they prepare blue steak my friend Jake who was with me tonight he has talked about wanting to try blue steak. He got his steak rare, and he didn't... I mean, I just said he got a steak rare, so he didn't get blue steak, but... I think he might have just had mine. <laughs> it's pretty much blue steak. The salad? Great. The bread? Great. The fries? Perfectly microwaved. The must- honey mustard? Great. The two things I paid the most for? Ass. <laughs> it looked like you cut off the end... I just cut off someone else's ass, like you looked at some random dude who didn't pay. That's what happens to you at at an Outback Steakhouse. You don't pay. Well, crap. Looks like you're getting your ass sawed off and served a steak, but not served well. You would if you know, You're like this might be sound. This might sound morbid, but if you don't know you're going to get eaten, you want to know at least you were prepared well, right? You don't want to go in going, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna serve you basically as is with. I don't know, what's something gross? Like you get served with a side of ketchup or something stupid like that. I hate ketchup, for those of you out there who don't know that. And if you like ketchup, screw you. I don't know how to put it any blunter than that. Screw you, okay? Okay. But yeah, you would like to think that you're getting served up nicely. You know, there's. you might be dying, but at least you got you got some ego there. You got some self-respect. Like, what... Uh, Okay, you're gonna kill me, fine, but at least serve me up nice. Have some dignity here in this whole process, this inhumane process, but at least make me look nice. But nope, at Outback Steakhouse, they don't care. You didn't pay, you tried to dine and dash, you get caught by one of the big Aussie rugby players and get thrown in the back and get your butt sawed off and served to customers without them cooking. It was a weird looking steak, too, I'm not gonna lie. Not just the color of it, the shape was weird, too. But man, I am normally fine with Outback, but this one was not great. If Outback, if this goes to Big Outback, Mr. Outback, if he somehow hears this, or Miss Outback, I don't know who actually runs or owns Outback Steakhouse. Australia, do they just, is it like their little, I don't know, their camps around the states? Like, hey, this is what Australia is like. And I'm not, hey, after tonight, that's what I've already thought Australia was like. (laughs) A backwards place where you get served human ass. <laughs> that's really much what I thought it was. Anyways, but yeah, oh, not, not ideal. I mean, the night other than that was fun. I love hanging out with my friends, but man, Outback struggled on the night. We didn't even get a Bloomin' Onion. I bought one last time. I think if you don't get a Bloomin' Onion, you just get the crap food. I think that's the issue. You got to spend the money on the Bloomin' Onion. If you don't get that, What's the point of even coming to this stupid place? That's like the one thing, like I said at the beginning of this whole stupid rant, that you can get an Outback that you can't really get anywhere else. Like, yeah, you can get onion rings, but who wants onion rings when you can have a bloomin' onion? Are they the same thing? Yeah, <laughs> the shape is different, though. Man, Outback, what a travesty. <laughs> and now we're here, and surprisingly, I'm still alive and kicking it. Not like the Big 12 will be in a little bit, but we'll talk about that later as well because we got a whole United States thing to talk about first because they'll be taking on Cater, Qatar, Qatar, World Cup 2022 hosts, Qatar. Even though it has been over a year since that's been announced, it still doesn't sit well with me. We've talked about all the human, right, human rights Laws that are being broken pretty much or how not really laws that are being broken, just decency, I guess, just terrible human living circumstances over there in regards to building these stadiums. and we've talked about this a lot. If you are not a country that can financially or what is structurally support a major tournament like the World Cup or the Olympics, don't host them because the big guys that are paying for the tournament are not the ones that are going to be suffering when the tournament leaves. The guys that got the tournament in Qatar are the people that are going to be sitting in the press boxes that can flee the country whenever they want. They can go travel the world. Not the people that are actually building the stadiums that actually have to live around the stadiums. That's where you kind of get screwed. You look at Brazil, a country with a rich soccer or football heritage, decimated pretty much by this World Cup in 2014. You have stadiums built in the freaking jungle. They're just rotting away useless stadiums now. And then like South Africa, you got these massive stadiums that no one can really fill. I think the only countries that can really support this are namely, but not limited to the one I'm gonna say right at the top of my head is the United States. So we've got all these NFL teams. We're such a massive country with all these massive cities with all these professional sports teams with these massive, massive stadiums. You got Ann Arbor in Michigan, Happy Valley, you've got Bryant Denny Stadium You've got Georgia, what is it, Georgia Stadium called? Whatever, there's Massive Stadium. <laughs> you've got, Tex the AT&T Dome, right? Wow, AT&T Stadium, AT&T Dome, what? You've got CenturyLink Field, you've got Mercedes-Benz Field, you've got the freaking Chargers and Rams Stadium, you've got Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, you've got all these massive stadiums, there's even more, U.S. Bank Stadium up in Minnesota. All of these stadiums, you can play it. You know, all these cities can support hosting a World Cup. Because it's not the city that hosts it. It's the country that hosts the World Cup. So the United States, Canada, and Mexico will be hosting the World Cup jointly in 2026. And for the United States and Canada, who did not make the 2018 World Cup, the best way to make the World Cup, take notes from like, you know, namely Qatar. If you're not going to make the World Cup, might as well host it. Because you're guaranteed to make the World Cup. Now, I did not know that went into playing in the Copa America slash the Gold Cup. I didn't know that was in the contract for Qatar. But hey, they have not been abysmal. I don't think a lot of people were expecting a lot out of Qatar. No one knew a lot about the country, or not about the country, a lot about the team. They don't really have a rich background in the sport or well-known players in the sport. Their most capped player of all time is still playing for Qatar. And we'll talk about him in a little bit. And they told Qatari team they are coming off a three-two win against El Salvador in the semifinal, the quarterfinals, sorry, of the Gold Cup. They got up three 0 early and then gave up two really easy goals, two goals that basically walked through their defense. Nothing too difficult for El Salvador in those games, but thankfully Ali, Hakim or Hatim, sorry. Scored some amazing goals. A team, mainly, (laughs) the main best goal that we saw. I put the clip of the goal in my preview, so if you want to go and watch that, go ahead. It's on YouTube. Again, search the Logan Blackman Show. It should be one of the first videos that pops up when you search Logan Blackman Show. Beautiful goal. Was cutting it on his left, and then just reversed, cut back on his right. And normally when you cut back on your right, or just any foot you're going to try and place it to the corner which you're facing so in this case he was on the right side of the box outside of the box you would cut back and try to play it at that near post no he curves it the out the other direction past the goalie in the opposite corner N- uh, unsavable absolutely insane shot one in a million shot great shot and then the penalty from Ali later in the game unsavable as well I think the goalie might have done ha- could have done a little bit better but hey, that was a great penalty from Elite. Qatar are good. At least by Gold Cup standards, which I've talked about a lot, is not very high, but they're good. I don't think a lot of people are expecting them to win their group, let alone win a knockout stage game. And they did. And before they basically shut off after the 55th minute, they dominated. Absolutely dominated the game. And then El Salvador got caught a little bit of life, and Qatar fell asleep. El Salvador felt confident at the same time Qatar took their foot off the gas and that's where they pound scoring two goals within three minutes of each other. And could have pulled back. Could have done it. They didn't, obviously, because (laughs) Qatar is playing the United States, not El Salvador. And weirdly enough, this tournament is set up yet again for the United States and Mexico to meet in the final. Who could have ever predicted this? Like we were talking about going down to Kansas City. This tournament, and every major tournament, for that matter, every tournament is always billed as anybody can win it. Any knockout stage is anybody can win this tournament. That is it's not the case. It's not. There's predetermined teams every single time. Anybody can win it? There's odd cases of anybody can win it, like Leicester City winning the Premier League, Denmark winning the Euros. Like, there's those, but most of the time you get the France's, the Germany's, the Spain's, the Man Cities, the Man Uniteds, Chelsea's—sure, you got the the odd miracle team, but most of the time, Bolivia's not winning the Copa America anytime soon. You already know who's in the running to win the Copa America. You might go, "Oh, anybody can win it." Now, Bolivia can't. Venezuela can't. <laughs> there, i don't think going into this term, anybody really had a shot of Granada winning the Gold Cup this year. I think unless you were crazy, you were going to predict the United States versus Mexico in the final. It is arguably the easiest tournament to predict in the entire world of sports, the Gold Cup. As we've talked about numerous times in the preview videos that we've done, the United States and Mexico have won 14 of the last 15 Gold Cups. The only one coming before that or during that span that wasn't them was Canada in like 92 So it was not something that happens very often where either one of those countries doesn't win. If one of them doesn't make the final, that's fine. You made it easier for the team that didn't make it between the two. Like the United States losing to Jamaica in 2015 in the semifinals. Did anybody realistically think Jamaica was going to beat Mexico? Mexico is better than the United States. Until probably right now, (laughs) after the United States just beat them in the Concacaf Nations League. Up until that point, Mexico has been better than the United States. I know there's been times the United States has beaten Mexico, but I think now they've actually got a foot on them. They've got better young players. I mean, I like Irving Lozano, but I would much rather have Christian Pulisic. This is also coming from a state of bias, so apologies if you rate Irving Lozano a little higher than Christian Pulisic. I do not. They're both wingers, but both play the position a little bit differently. Irving Lozano is more of a... A power shot kind of guy. Going to score some goals. Christian Pulisic is more of a creative player. Doesn't really tempt to go for the goals all that often. But what he does, it will look pretty nice. Christian Pulisic can slot a goal. Slot a ball past a goalkeeper. These, you saw them do that against Ochoa in the Concacaf <laughs> Nations League. Not like Andres Gorgiato, who's missed his penalty against the United States. And even though Ethan Horvath saved that penalty, I think right now we all know that the number one goalie spot, even though we're going to romanticize the penalty save, Matt Turner's the number two right now. And with more playing time, if Stefan's out for a period of time because I remember he got hurt in that Concacaf Nations League game, which is why Horvath went in. Could Matt Turner realistically push Zach Steffen for that number one spot for the United States? I don't really think so, but who knows? I'm not Greg Berhalter. I'm not at practices. Zach Steffen, for all cases, for all things concerned, does not play for Man City. Now, again, we've talked about this about he's behind the third best goalie in the world or a top three goalie in the world. So, a little circumstance is a little different than starting week in and week out for the New England Revolution because Zach Steffen was a starter week in and week out for the Columbus Crew before he went to Manchester City. And I hope a move comes through soon, but. This is a good learning experience for Zach Steffen, learning from Pep Guardiola, learning from the best ball-playing goalkeeper in the world in Ederson, which is something Zach Steffen definitely needs to work on, and I think he has improved on since being at Man City is his distribution, learning from Ederson, learning from Pep Guardiola, who loves goalkeepers that do that. That's why Joe Hart was kicked so swiftly out the door after doing all he did for Manchester City. That, coupled with the game against Iceland, but mostly because he can't distribute the ball worth crap. And now he's a third choice keeper for Tottenham. And then you saw Claudio Bravo come in from Barcelona. Trash. Next offseason, here comes Ederson. And now he's a top three goalie in the world that just kept Allison out of the starting lineup for Brazil in the Copa America. Which is surprising to me. And like we've said, there's not a wrong choice there, but there's definitely a right one. If that makes sense. If not, I apologize for that. But it, it does if you think about it a little bit. There's not a wrong choice. But there's one you should have picked. Okay? But back to the Gold Cup and Qatar. Qatar has played well. Tari said this. Qatar has played very, very well. They won their group on seven points. They had a plus six goal difference. Dominated Granada. I mean, as expected. I mean, everybody should beat Granada. They had a minus 10 goal difference. And the one goal they scored was against Panama, in the 76th minute of the tournament, they scored one goal, allowed 11, lost unsurprisingly all three games, and they were so close not being the worst team in the Gold Cup this year. Martinique had a minus, 12, minus 9 goal difference. Now, they did allow one more goal, but they also scored two more goals. So, you know, you win some, you lose some for those two countries, Martinique and Granada. But Qatar, great stuff. Great stuff from them. They're big players for this team, namely their best player, Alamaz Ali. He's their main striker, and he's so far leading the Gold Cup in the Golden Boot race. He's the only person with four goals, sole possession of the lead for the Golden Boot in this tournament. Four goals to his name. You also have Akram Fief, his strike partner, who leads the Gold Cup and assists this year with three. They have been playing very, very well together. Mohamed Motari played one game at striker in substitution or replacement for a fief against Granada, but that was a, a one-off game. And the weird thing about the Granada game, that was the only time they switched up their starting lineup. Look at the first game, the third game, and the fourth game in the quarterfinals against El Salvador. They ran the exact same starting lineup. The exact same every single time. They've run a back three or back five, two wing backs, a midfield three, and two strikers. And a fief and Ali are going to cause problems for the United States, who at times got caught out against Jamaica, James Sands namely, but Miles Robinson played very well in that game, tracked back a lot, his pace helped him out a lot, and bailed out James Sands at times. Like we've said in the previews, he, Sands, is not a natural center back. He is a natural number six, so that back three is perfect for him. That's how David Luiz looked so good that season for Chelsea when they won the league when uh, Antonio Conte played a back three. He was that middle guy. He could push up a little bit farther. He could lay passes all over the field. That's what Sands does. I'm not saying Sant is a terrible center back. And comparing to David Luiz, who is at one point the most expensive defender in the world, transfers from Chelsea to PSG, he did look a little questionable at times. So don't be surprised. To counteract Qatar's 5-3-2, maybe the United States runs a 5-3-2. They've run a 5-3-2 Two times in this tournament against Martinique and Canada. Will they run it again here to counteract that? You saw England do that against Germany to counteract their through wingers on the outside. So maybe you see that again here. I don't know. A lot of people really like this starting lineup that Greg Berhalter trotted out there for this game. You saw Matthew Hoppy play very, very well. Paul Areola was back in the team after getting injured against Haiti. Like, this is a fun team. Everybody liked this team. And Donovan Pines... I learned during the game, I didn't. I was not aware of this and haven't found anything about it other than the game, is that Donovan Pines didn't even dress. I don't know why he didn't dress, if he was hurt, if there was precautionary for something COVID-related. I don't know what it was. Or Greg Berhalter doesn't really rate him. And then at that point, why did you even bring him if you're not going to dress him? So if they go to a back three, I'm not saying this is 100% certain, but I would expect them to start Kessler, who replaced Walker Zimmerman. In the squad, as remember, Walker Zimmerman got hurt against Canada, withdrawn from the tournament due to a strained hamstring. So, if, if hypothetically, if they were going to go into a back three, I would expect a back three is consisting of Kessler, Sands, and Robinson. Back, to, back four, I mean, it's the same as back four. I don't think there's going to be a lot changing in this lineup. You might see a player introduced every, like, maybe a Zardes comes in for DK in the starting lineup. Maybe a Kessler comes in as one of the center backs. Who knows? I'm not Greg holder. I don't make those types of decisions. But they're going to have their freaking hands full. And this is not like a young team. This Qatar team is very, very experienced. Two of their center backs, Abdul Kareem Hassan, has 106 caps to his name. And Boulam Kouaki has 86. And I think I could be completely wrong. I am acing these names. Hopefully. Hopefully I'm doing a good job of these names. So I'm not, I apologize for that. But those two are very experienced in the back. Roro is their right wing back, or better known as Pedro Miguel, a Portuguese international that switched allegiances to Saudi Arabia. He's their wing back. He provides a lot of pace down that right side. And then in midfield, Abdulaziz Hatim, the guy who scored that wonder goal earlier, scored three goals this tournament. He has eight goals in 82 caps to his name for Qatar up to this point. Three goals this tournament. He has played awesome for Qatar in this term, and their captain, who is not... Oh, there he is. Hassan Haidos. their captain, 145 caps to his name, the most capped player in Qatar history, and joint top goal scorer on the current team with Alamez Heli, who has 32 goals as well, but on 65 caps, and he's a lot younger. I mean, Haidos is not old to any circumstance. Like, maybe for a soccer player, he's a little older, but he's 31 years old. This team has got a lot of experience cap-wise, but they don't have any freaking dinosaurs on this team. Their oldest player, looking at their roster, is 31 years old. That's their goalkeeper, Sad El Sheeb. He doesn't even play. Their starting goalkeeper has been Mes- Meshal Barsham. He's been starting a net. And he's the least experienced player, <laughs> pretty much, in this team. He's 23 years old and has seven caps. Now, Ahmad Sohal has one cap to his name, but he's not really been playing that much, to my knowledge, because they've been running Ahmad... Uman Ahmad at left wing back, and then they had Bassan Bassam Al-Rawi as the other center back in that back three. So, yeah, either way, this is gonna be a tough game for the United States. I said Jamaica was gonna be tough as well, and it was. Jamaica's a pressing team, and you saw that after the first like 14 seconds. Jamaica was down the field already. The United States cannot take any chance. They cannot overlook Qatar in this game. They can't overlook anybody. Other than the game against Martinique, you can't really say the United States has played their best. They've scored three goals outside of the game against Martinique, where they scored six. (laughs) Now, they haven't allowed a goal, but their goal-scoring threat has not really been there. They've had a few shots, but not a lot of goalkeepers have had to make a lot of wonder saves. Against Canada, they had one shot on net, and that was the goal after 20 seconds. So in 89 minutes... And 40 seconds, the United States had zero shots. And that's not including added time. So we're probably at 95 minutes right there where they did not have a single shot on net. That's not great. <laughs> Especially when you're rolling out Zardas and DK as your two strikers. So who knows what the United States does? They're going to be tested. This is not going to be an easy game. Now, for the, the United States can hope that Qatar falls asleep again like they did against El Salvador late in the game. Will that happen again? I would expect them to make some changes to make sure that does not happen again. But even though this is Qatar against the United States, when a game that the United States should 99% of the time win, my gut tells me that Qatar wins this thing. I'm not going to predict they win the thing, because as a United States supporter, I would... (laughs) I mean... It's kind of crazy to think about Qatar making it to the Gold Cup final against either Mexico or Canada. And there's going to be a lot of people out there that love bashing United States soccer and just bashing the Gold Cup in general and CONCACAF in general that are going to be cheering super hard for Qatar. There's not going to be a lot of people outside the United States that are going to be cheering on the United States. I bet most people that watch this are going to want to want Qatar to win. One Because it'd be embarrassing for the United States to lose to Qatar. Even though Qatar has played well, the United States, again, should never lose to Qatar. Never should. And then also it looks bad for CONCACAF. As a team that is not in CONCACAF and was just added right before the tournament started, who was originally in Copa America, that looks bad. That they made the final and have a chance at winning it? Mexico Mexico and the United States did not bring their strongest teams to this tournament. But they have enough depth in their teams to make it still to the semifinals, but Canada and Qatar brought their strongest teams. Apart from Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies for Canada, but still a very strong team nonetheless. They beat Costa Rica two 0 the other day. So yeah, and they did they did that without Kyle Aaron too, who I don't know his injury, uh, how uh, how bad his injury is because again he got hurt against the United States. So I don't know if he'll be out for the semifinal game against Mexico. But that'll be big if he is out. I should have probably looked this up before the game before the show started tonight. <laughs> but I apologize. Let's just look and see if he's even in the squad. Because like Walker Zimmerman's out of the squad. Kyle Laren is still in the squad, but Iowa Canola is out. Iola Canola actually tore his ACL. So there was no chance of him coming back. There might be a chance of Kyle Laren playing in this game against Mexico. That would be big. For the Canadians going into this game. But yeah. The United States and Mexico. Even though they didn't bring strong teams. And even though Qatar and Canada brought strong teams. And have been playing well. They should never lose to these teams. Canada's a big country. But even they would say they're not soccer oriented. Even they would say they don't have a lot of expectations for the national team in regards to soccer. Mexico should beat them. They should. They should. The United States should beat Qatar. But I'm not going to be surprised if this result does flip on its head where Qatar beats the United States and Canada beats Mexico. Which is worst case scenario for CONCACAF and the Gold Cup in general because you're not going to get any money for Qatar and Canada. I don't think there's going to be a lot of Qatari and Canadian fans meeting up in Las Vegas for the final. Just my personal opinion on the matter... Could be completely wrong, but that's just how I view it right now. But either all in all, I think the United States will beat Qatar 2-1. That's my prediction in the game. My gut says Qatar will win, but I am going to say the United States beats them 2-1. I don't know who scores the goal. I don't know what kind of lineup they roll out. But I think, in my heart, the United States will win. Okay? Makes sense? Good. Got it. So let's move on to another talking point, which is very, very big. We're kind of talking... It feels like we've just been saying the same thing over and over again, apart from the rare rant about some crappy food I got, and my stomach's starting to hurt a little bit now. The Big 12. Because it's pretty much dead. A joint statement from the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas... The University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas at Austin notified the Big 12 Athletic Conference today they will not be renewing their grants of media rights following the expiration in 2025. Providing notice to the Big 12 at this point is important in advance of the expiration of the conference's current media rights agreement. The universities intend to honor their existing grant of rights agreement. However, both universities will continue to monitor the rapidly evolving, evolving collegiate athletics landscape as they consider how best to position their athletics programs in the future, and then about a minute later, I get an update saying Texas and Oklahoma are expecting to apply for the SEC membership after leaving the Big 12 after the 2025 season. So this is not a happen-right-now thing. They're not going to play in the, big, the SEC this year, okay? As far as I have understood it, Texas and Oklahoma are not playing in the Big 12 or the SEC this year. They're, it's going to wait like four years for this. And then Big 12 had a statement on Oklahoma and Texas and basically it summarized as our eight members are disappointed. The Big 12 is in the mud. Big 12 is pretty much dead. And I saw somebody tweet about this like, what was wrong with the original Big 12? Like you have Nebraska, Colorado, Texas A&M, Missouri. What was wrong with that? Very nice geographical area. Texas A&M and Missouri are not... SEC teams they're big 12 teams (laughs) there's a step up in conference there I know early on Missouri and Texas A&M played very very well and being in the SEC allowed Texas A&M to expand their stadium like 40,000 seats or something like that they're in 100,000s now I think they were at 70 something before 60 something thousand before this like being in the SEC and having Johnny football definitely advanced their growth as a program but they can't compete recruiting and if, if when Texas and Oklahoma join, they're going to have a harder time recruiting as well. But yeah, it's going to be weird, isn't it? It's going to be very weird, and this is going to change the ex- entire landscape of college football. Like everybody's going to try and go to a different conference. The SEC apparently is trying to get like thir- a thirty-team super conference or something like that, or a twenty-team super conference. We talked about that last time. Of like M- Michigan, Florida State, and Clemson, Ohio State joining the conference and roasting Michigan, Florida State, and Texas. Like, we can roast Texas again. I saw a tweet, or I was on Instagram, more first-round draft picks than Texas since 2011. It's a very short list, so it won't take me that long to read it. So you can just kind of half pay attention for this, because it's not very long. Alabama, Arizona State, Auburn, Baylor, Boise State, Boston College, Clemson, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Houston, Illinois, Iowa, Louisville, LSU, Miami, Michigan, Michigan State, Mississippi State, State, Missouri, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Oregon, South Carolina, Stanford, TCU, Tennessee, Texas AM, UCF, UCLA, NCU, North Carolina, USC, Virginia Tech, Washington, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. See, not a very big list at all. So, <laughs> like, Texas deserves to go to the Big 12, the SEC. Yeah, they totally do. As they have less first-round picks than frickin' South Carolina. Now, I'm aware of those two, South, two picks... Are, are two of the picks. I guess I don't know how many. These are just the two that popped in my head. Jadavian Clowney and Melvin Ingram, two great players in the NFL. Right, ah, great. They're good players in the NFL. Great college players. Great college players. But Texas, the Tennessee, like Derek Barnett. Who else has been a first-round draft pick from Tennessee that I'm completely blanking out? Eric Flowers, was he from Tennessee? I think he might have been. Eric Berry was from Tennessee, I believe, as well. Right? So there's some first round draft picks right there, Houston. Ed Oliver. Who was the last first round pick for Texas? Really, I'm I'm actually being honest here. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the Texas Longhorns. Gerald no Gerald McCoy no Gerald McCoy was Oklahoma. Who the hell was Texas the last first round draft pick? This isn't even trying to make fun of them. I mean, it kind of is, but I can't think of one. Roy Williams, was he a first round draft pick? The wide receiver played for the Lions and Cowboys? Was he a first round pick? There's some linemen in there that I just can't. Connor Williams wasn't a first round draft pick. He was like a third rounder. Wow. Ross, the corner, played for the Giants. Was he a first round pick? This just turned into an intent, inten- completely intentional roasting of the texas longhorns football program remember last like two years ago they (laughs) their student high or career i gotta find this thing one of the greatest tweets of all time of texas's gpa i've gotta find this thing because it was freaking awesome i love the best part about it was it was tweeted and it's still up i'm on the tweet right now success on the field (laughs) 2.9 highest september gpa team history prepared off the field Wow, that's really that's some great GPA right there, two point nine. And then you're bragging about it too. Like that's not a terrible GPA. That's a good GPA or decent GPA. I mean, it's not what you hope for. It's not like end of the world GPA. You can graduate with that GPA. But you you don't brag about it. You don't go on social media and post like in your bio, I got a two point eight nine GPA. You kind of unless it's above three. You don't really brag about it. And really, you can, should only really wait till it's above 3.5 or something like that and you really start bragging about it. 2.89? It's not great. <laughs> it's, not, it's not great. You got basically somewhere between a B and a B- minus average. It's not, not ideal. Not ideal. Not something you really tweet about that often I mean I I wouldn't tweet about that there's not a lot of things I would tweet I just basically just use my Twitter account to post my podcast and post YouTube videos which again you should go watch the Logan Blackman show preview of the United States first guitar I know we just did it now but go watch the video it would be greatly appreciated But I really can't think of Texas first last first round pick Texas Longhorns first first round picks because obviously Ricky Williams, but that was 2000. 2001? No, 99? not not 99. 98? Whatever, Ricky Williams was drafted in the first round. Vince Young was a first round draft pick? First round draft picks. Found the link. Finally. I can actually look this up now. Nope, not draft picks. First round draft picks. So we're scrolling. We're scrolling. Okay, Malcolm Brown. 32nd pick. Completely forgot he existed. But yeah, first-round pick. Then you've got Kenny Vaccaro. Kind of forgot about him as well. Decent player. So two, Earl Thomas. Okay, probably should have gotten Earl Thomas. Brian Arakpo is good for time, for a little bit of time. Michael Griffin. Aaron Ross, okay. I did get Aaron Ross right. I just said Ross, but he was a first-round pick. I'm taking the dub on that one. Michael Huff. Vince Young got him. Derek Johnson. Cedric Benson, forgot about Cedric Benson. Michael Marcus Tubbs, don't know who that is. Roy Williams, there we go. See, I got all my first round picks right. They were just very dated, (laughs) not in the time frame that I was looking for. And then you got Ricky Williams there, 1999, Casey Hampton, Mike Williams, Bill's legend, Mike Williams, Quentin Jammer, completely forgot he went to Texas. But yeah. SEC school right there. Big time SEC school on par with South Carolina. It's the school you really want to be. South Carolina and Mississippi State. Anybody else that's super good SEC program on here? Ole Miss, yeah, very historic franchise. I mean, they got Eli Manning, Archie Manning, DK Metcalf, Laquan Treadwell. Like, they've got some great players. Oh, my goodness. Texas, Texas, Texas. What an absolute mess the whole Big 12 is. It's not, We've been making fun of Texas a lot, but really, the Big 12 is a freaking joke right now. And I've seen the Big 10 trying to recruit. Uh, uh, this was from Kirk Bowles, who said, I'm told the Big 10 is so much more interested in the AAU schools than Pac-12 is, than the Pac-12 is. I'm told Kansas and Iowa State, both AAU members, made a run at the Big 10, but I don't know if they'll get any place. Big 12 source says, Kansas only makes it through on basketball. We talked about that Friday. I'm just repeating myself, pretty much. I hate repeating myself, but this is just how it's lining up right now. I promise at the end of the show, we will not be repeating myself. I will not be repeating myself because I've got something completely new at the end of the show. Kind of. I mean, we've talked about it before, but a while ago. But Kansas comes in on the the basketball thing. I mean, I would rather have Iowa State and Kansas than Rutgers in Maryland. I don't want Maryland and Rutgers. I want Notre Dame. I would take Notre Dame and Kansas and Iowa State. Iowa State and Iowa was not a, is a rivalry, but until recently it was very one-sided and it meant absolutely nothing for Iowa. Adding them to the Big Ten, where you're going to play twice a year in basketball while also adding that to the Big Ten in schedule in football, play that at the end of the year? Dude. Dude, Iowa State, Iowa, Big Ten conference game, November the week of Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, I'm liking the sound of that. Means something for both parties now. It makes the game so much better, so much better. So I, I would like to see Iowa State in. I would like to see Iowa State in the Big the Big Ten. I know there's going to be links with more teams from like the Pac-12, like, again, Colorado, Oregon, USC, UCLA, like we talked about earlier. But Iowa State and Kansas make the most sense. Obviously, you're sharing a state with another Big Ten program in the state of Iowa, and Iowa State. But I want Notre Dame in. I think every Big Ten fan wants Notre Dame in. But Notre Dame's too high and mighty in their own right to join a conference. I'm surprised Notre Dame really has I'm surprised Nebraska hasn't really tried to join the SEC that often. Man, what a mess. College football is a freaking mess right now, isn't it? Absolute freaking mess. The whole college football situation. We've got still got four years of this garbage. This isn't happening right away. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then here's the official statement from the Big 12. Today, the Tw- Big 12 conference seat notes from the University of Texas President Joe Hazers and University of Texas President Jay Hartzell that their university do not intend to extend the grain of rights when... The- their current agreement expires in June 30th, 2025. Quote, "...although our eight members are disappointed with the decisions these two institutions, we recognize that intercollegiate athletics is experiencing a rapid change and will most likely look too, look much different in 2025 than it does currently," said Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. "...the Big 12 Conference will continue to support the members' institutions' efforts to graduate student-athletes and compete for Big 12 and NCAA championships." Like many others, we will use these next four years to fully assess what landscape will look like in 2025 and beyond. The remaining eight institutions will work together in a collaborative manner to thoroughly or thoughtfully and strategically position the Big 12 Conference for continued success, both athletically and academically, long into the future. Bullshite. This conference looks dead. Now, I'm I'm open to being wrong, but I think in a few years we're going to see the likes of, like, Houston... Join the conference. Which, for a conference that considers them a power five conference, I don't think having Houston in the conference will be huge. Tulsa, Colorado State, Memphis. I don't think having these schools is really beneficial to the growth of the conference. I mean, sure, you held on to Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Baylor. But you replaced Oklahoma with Houston. Texas with SMU, Iowa State with Memphis, Kansas with UCF. Any other schools we're really missing out here? It's a big giant shite show right here. I don't think the eight members are really going to be trying to look that hard. I think the eight members will do the same thing that Texas Oklahoma are Looking towards the future and going, wow, this is not a sustainable conference. We should GTFO. Get out of here. Go to another conference. Man, the AAC seems more lucrative right now due to their partnership with ESPN than the Big 12 does. Good Lord. Texas is so high and mighty, they got their own TV network. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Big 12. Total freaking mess. But one thing we do know about is where Aaron Rodgers is playing his football in 2021. It was announced today that Aaron Rodgers is staying with the Green Bay Packers at least for this year. At least for this year. Now, that could change. I doubt it because, you know, he walked into OTAs and was all ready to go. Looking, wearing a a Kevin... uh. Kevin Malone shirt from the office, walk into practice. So, yeah, looks like Aaron Rodgers is going to Green Bay. My initial thought from this so it looks like it's going to be on a one year deal. Looks like it'll be his last year in Green Bay. And Pat McAfee tweeted this out as per Adam Schefter, the 2023 year in Aaron Rodgers' contract, the last one in his current deal, would be voided with no tags allowed in future. The Packers would agree to review Rodgers' situation at the end of the season. Rodgers' contract would be adjusted. With no loss of income to the Packers, more cap room. Mechanisms will be put in place to address Rodgers' issues with the team. The Packers' agreement to, quote, review the situation after the season implies the team will trade Rodgers if he still feels the way he has about the Packers' culture and decision-making, which means Devontae Adams will peace out, and it'll be fun to see where everything lands up. How Jordan Love will be, it'll be interesting. And how to nail that? This is he is staying for this year. Packers cut Blake Bortles. The Packers cut Blake Bortles. Aaron Rodgers back. Don't need Blake Bortles anymore. The Jordan Love. To be fair to Jordan Love, this is an old school natural progression of how quarterbacks get into the league. But in the day and age where we see the likes of Joe Burrow ball out, Justin Herbert ball out, you don't wait three years. To go and play you don't so this is looking very bad on Jordan Love when really just Aaron Rodgers is a freaking beast and is not done like the Packers thought he was now I think this is Aaron Rodgers last season where he gets traded I have no idea but one thing this opens up because I saw this update like a day or two ago was the Texans are open to training Deshaun Watson now again I don't know everything that's going on with the whole Deshaun Watson situation. I'm completely naive to the situation that's going on. I'm not involved in the situation. I don't know if he's ever going to play again or if he's going to be perfectly fine and the case will settle. I don't know what's going on with that situation as a whole. All I know is, as a player, there's not a lot of better quarterbacks than Deshaun Watson, especially when he's coming off a career with a terrible-ass team, with a terrible-ass front office and a terrible-ass head coach. No disrespect to David Coley. It's not him I'm bashing Bill O'Brien. Not Coley. Coley got given this job because no one else wanted to touch it with an 80-foot pull. No one wanted to touch this job. And this is the main reason why. Because Deshaun Watson's not happy. You traded away J.J. Watt, or cut J.J. Watt, this offseason. Franchise's greatest ever player. And then now you're about to lose its greatest ever quarterback in the same offseason. And you expect fans to come. Now Deshaun Watson will get a big trade value. He will get a lot of money. He'll get a lot of picks coming in. The Texans are wanting to have a lot of picks. Texans willing to trade Deshaun Watson, asking for a combination of five high draft picks, starting caliber players from per Chris Mortensen at ESPN. There are two teams I think he'll go. At least one of them makes sense. The one of them might not make as much sense. But one of them is the Eagles. Eagles got a crap ton of picks. They got three picks in the first round next year alone. They're questionable on whether or not they like Jalen Hurts that much. So that one makes a lot of sense. Get a lot of picks. Starter caliber players? Sure, they got some starter caliber players. But for Deshaun, I don't know if he'd want to go there. I mean, you get players like Devontae Smith there, Miles Sanders. But yeah, I don't know if he'd want to go there. I mean, you're in a very winnable division. It's not the toughest division in the NFL. You just had a team make the playoffs from that division going 7-9. and nine. So it's not a world-beater's division right there. But the team that I think he'll go to, and which is the main reason why I think Rodgers ultimately stayed in Green Bay, I think they were both competing for this spot. My gut tells me this anyways. I don't know if they were competing for this spot. This is what I think. That they were both competing for Denver. Rodgers couldn't get a move to Denver, so it looks like Deshaun Watson is the one that's going in. There's been links with Denver and quarterbacks, one of these two quarterbacks, the entire offseason. With this roster and the weapons they have on offense, I don't know if they'll really go in the season with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Now they could wait a season, see how good Drew Locke is, or they could go right now and say, hey, Deshaun, we want you, Houston, give us him. Now, obviously, before Deshaun Watson gets traded, you're going to have to want to figure out the whole off-the-field situation because you want to give a crap ton of first-round picks and then have him be arrested. That's not what you want to have happen here. Totally different circumstance, but like when the Browns drafted Bernie Kosar, the Vikings traded up to number one in the draft to draft Bernie Kosar. And then the Browns traded up with the Bills in the supplemental draft. Or no, they, the Vikings traded up to number two. The Bills had the first pick in the draft. They drafted Bruce Smith that year. Vikings traded up to number two. Draft Bernie Kosar. Browns traded up to number one in the supplemental draft. And the Vikings traded their pick before they knew the Browns traded. Made them very upset. Gave up a lot to move up to draft who they thought was Bernie Kosar. And then they get to the number two pick. And the guy who's the favorite to go to the number two pick... Didn't want to play for the Vikings. He didn't want to play in the Colts before the Metrodome existed. They drafted or not, they got traded. They traded the pick to the Atlanta Falcons, who drafted the lineman for Pittsburgh. I can't remember what his name is now. I think the Vikings. Oh crap! I need this. This is. I think I got it right, Chris Spielman. I think I'm right in this. No, what the hell? Why did I guess Chris Spielman? <laughs> he didn't play for the Vikings. My, why did I say Chris Spielman? Well, now I'm questioning myself. When was Bernie Kosar drafted? Oh, this is just, a, this shows in the mud. 1985 draft. Who the hell did the Vikings, they drafted a the Hall of Famer. Chris Dolman. Why the hell did I say Chris Spielman? I got the first name right, I guess. But yeah, Bill Fralick was the first, the second pick. And the Vikings traded up. To draft Bernie Kosar, who ended up saying he wanted to go play with Cleveland. And then Bill Fralick didn't want to play with the Vikings. And then I think the Vikings ended up the best in it because they were the only team out of the three that got a first, got a Hall of Famer, <laughs> Chris Dolman. So I think they are perfectly fine with how it worked out in the end, but at the time, very frustrating. You don't want to get the person and then realize, or get to that spot where you think you can get this guy, and then all of a sudden... <laughs> Yeah, nah, he's arrested. He's not going to play this season, or probably ever. If he's locked away for, if he does get found guilty, it could be for a pretty decently long time. But Denver seems like the most logical spot, doesn't it? They have a new GM who has no ties to Drew Locke whatsoever. John Elway's still there, sure, but this GM, George Payton, has no connection to Drew Locke. GMs and coaches, the quarterback they draft, if one of them's gone... That quarterback's almost guaranteed to be gone. More recently, you had Sam Darnold in New York Jets. The two dudes that are there, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, were not there when Sam Darnold was drafted. They have no relationship with Sam Darnold. They have no loyalty or commitment to Sam Darnold. They did not draft him. So the first opportunity to get to draft their quarterback, they do it and ship Sam Darnold off to Carolina, where I hope he does well. Man, this GM has no connection to Drew Locke. He has a connection to Teddy Bridgewater, but he can't he knows what Teddy Bridgewater is. Teddy Bridgewater's not Deshaun Watson. Nowhere close. Even before his knee injury, he was not anywhere close to Deshaun Watson. There's not a lot of quarterbacks in my lifetime that have been this good as Deshaun Watson. I, I shouldn't say lifetime. No, don't quote me on that, dope. Five years, five years, five years. Since he's been drafted, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are back. There are a lot of good quarterbacks in my lifetime. Just to name a few, Brett Favre and Peyton Manning. So I, I'm not going to go there. He's not. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Last five years. Great quarterback. We'll see what happens off the field. If he goes to Denver, that would make that division awesome. The Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos. And then I guess the Raiders. <laughs> I guess. they They exist, I guess. Patty Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Deshaun Watson, and Derek Carr. Who well, I like Derek Carr, but he's not on that level. That's an exciting division right there. Broncos fans, do you think you're getting Deshaun Watson? Because part of me thinks they're getting Deshaun Watson this offseason. The Dolphins, could they get Deshaun Watson this offseason? I saw a really weird thing today that Xavier Howard, once out of Miami. Which is pretty pretty awesome. You go, Xavier. Get out of Miami. I wouldn't want to play there either. <laughs> get out of the division. Yeah, perfectly fine with it. Second highest paid corner on your team? Yeah, good. Get out. I like Xavier Howard. He's a really, really good corner. Doesn't get paid like it. I know a lot of people go like, oh, well, he's a, he's a millionaire anyways. Yeah, but it's all about comparative. Like, Look how much he's getting paid, and I'm better than him. Then I mean, you look at that in the real world. If you're getting paid less than somebody that makes that is not as good as you, or that's worse than you, you get a little upset. Regardless of how much you're actually getting paid, it will take you off because you don't want to mess with people's money. Xavier Howard's pissed off. He's not the highest-paid corner on his own team, and he just had a season where he had 10 interceptions. He gone, and I am perfectly fine with that. Now the Dolphins do have replacements. Noah iga Benagane. And Byron Jones are there. So I don't think losing Xavier Howard will be huge, but it won't be insanely bad. So those two corners are pretty decent. Noah Igamagane is a second-year player, played a little safety last year. But when you have the most expensive corner in the NFL and Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Now I don't think it's it's not like he's getting paid less than like Levi Wallace or something. Not no disrespect. I love we like I like Levi Wallace a lot, but Levi Wallace should not be paid more than Xavier Howard, and he's not. But it's not like that. It's Byron Jones, who's a good corner in zone, right? Not better than Xavier Howard, but a good corner in zone, right? But yeah, get the hell out of get the hell out of Miami. Yeah, go ahead, do it. I'm cool with that. I'm perfectly cool with that as long as they don't trade you to Kansas City. As long as you don't go to Kansas City. I am perfectly fine and will support you, Xavier Howard, 100%. I'll back you to the Hill to go out of Miami. I'll back you 100%. But if you go to Kansas City, I'll be very upset. <laughs> Please don't go to Kansas City. Now, the Dolphins could use your help all oh, day. They, they need your help, obviously. Josh Allen is son to the Dolphins ever since he's been in the NFL. So I, they're going to need you. But if you want to go, 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 go. You're fine. You know what? I heard they think you stink. Actually, that's what I heard. You didn't hear this from me. Brian Flores thinks you're ugly. You know? Again, didn't hear this from me. Chris Greer, you know, the GM. He says he doesn't like number 25. He says that's a stupid number. And people that wear number 25 are stupid idiots. If you don't wear a 13, GTFO. Oh, it's retired? Still, GTFO. That's what Chris Greer said. He said, oh, you're not the highest paid corner of your team? Good. I don't like people's names to start with an X. This is a, This is what I've heard. I'm not making this up. I've heard this stuff. You didn't hear it from me? But Xavier, if you would like to leave Miami and beat the crap out of Miami twice a year, you can go up north to Buffalo. Go ahead and do that. I, I heard Josh Allen said he really likes you. The toughest corner he's ever played against. Trey White. He said that you're really good. Not as good as him, but you're really good. Coming off a great season. You should come play with them. Sean McDermott has said he's always wanted to work with Xavier Howard. That's a corner he's always wanted to work with. I don't know. This is just stuff I've heard. I, you could believe me or not, but I, this is just what I've heard. Kansas City also said you stink as well. They don't like you either. So, yeah, don't go there either. The Miami and Kansas City, they're out. I wouldn't go there. New England wouldn't go there either. Bill Belichick stinks. Uh, he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, he just looks like he smells, doesn't he? And then he said you look like you smell. So I, I don't even think like you shouldn't go there at all. That's just what I would do. Avoid those three places. New England, Miami, and Kansas City. Anywhere else, they said you really, you're a really cool guy. They really like you out there. Buffalo likes you the most, though. That's one thing I did here. They said outside of Trey White, you are our favorite corner ever, ever. Like even including Nate Clements and Terrence McGee, like they like you up there. Don't like you in Miami, but they like you. As a, they say you're a really nice person. Even though there were some reports last night, like, he said other than that, that you're a really nice person. But anyways, yeah, Xavier Howard once out, not the highest paid corners team, once out say so he's going to be respectful, basically just uttered the famous words of Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I won't get fined. So we'll see what happens with that whole situation. We'll see what happens to Sean Watson. There's a lot of things that could go on before the NFL season starts. We've got a lot of crazy things going on in hockey in regards to the trades. The Blackhawks are making moves left, right, and center, which is freaking weird. They we got Marc-Andre Fleury for pretty much nothing, and then he's talking about he wants to retire, or might retire. They just got Tyler Johnson for retired Brent Seabrook. So I I don't know what's going on in Chicago. The Sabres traded away Sam Reinhart and traded away Ristel, Rist, geez. <laughs> Rasmus Ristelainen. So they traded those two players away. Jack Eichel can't be far behind, but their asking price is obviously going to be very, very high because he's one of the best centers in the league. And he's very young. And he's their captain. So he's going to have a, he's going to have a big asking price. Very big asking price. Then Manchester United, we're talking about transfers and moves and stuff. They got Jane Sancho, They just announced Raphael Varane. Like they've announced they have an agreement with him. Not as they've actually signed him. They have an agreement with him. But man, stuff's moving crazy right now in the world of sports. Good freaking Lord. The Big 12's dissolving right in front of our very eyes. A very slow dissolve. It's like the movie Dread where they have the drug that slows everything down around you. That's like the Big 12. It's very slow But when you hit the ground, ooh, Lord, it hurts. And when they chuck you out of that really tall building, but you're going really slow, or they think you're going really slow, and then you slam against the ground. Yeah, stuff like that. But yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Xavier Howard, remember Miami said you stank, same as Kansas City and New England, so don't go there. But yeah, that's all I've got for you today. She said I just scared myself. My hands were in the window. I stretched my arms up in the air. My hands were in the window. I looked at the window, and I just see these two hands or something. I don't know. Sticking straight up, whatever that's all I've got for today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you watch the United States versus Qatar, both the game and the preview. The game is taking place Thursday night. So make sure you tune into that one. It'll be in Austin. I believe it's on FS1. So make sure you tune into that. United States, I'm predicting win two to one, even though it'll be very, very tough. Might end up one nothing again. I mean, that's been a common theme for the United States in this Gold Cup so far. And I also wouldn't be surprised if Qatar won. They've been playing very, very well. And would love to play spoilers to the United States and Mexico's party. So, yeah. Go watch the preview as well. Go follow me on all forms of social media. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow me on the podcast, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I will see you all later. Peace.